Well, here we go. Episode 143. That's 143, not 1.43. Episode 143 of The Brian Oak Show being recorded here in the Smart Start MN Studios in scenic and historic South Minneapolis, right here in the middle, 48th and Chicago, next to the Parkway Theater, where today's guest is going to be performing tomorrow Live music being performed. Now, obviously, we're not all the way back yet. Not everything is fixed. But it's exciting to know that artists are getting a chance to get back out, to sow their oats, as it were. I don't know, to make music, because all of us need it. Musicians need it. They need the money. They need the, the the life juice they get from getting up on stage and having that symbiotic relationship with fans. And we, as music lovers, need Live freaking music. Would you say that's fair, Sean? Absolutely. This morning I was listening to an artist that I saw live about two years ago named Pierce Edens out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. And I was blaring it, you know, through the TV this morning. And I was like, I feel like 60% good, but it's not the same as a live concert. It's just not the same. But I wanted to get in my, he's actually performing soon in Asheville. And I was like, I wish I could just get in my car and drive to Asheville to see this guy because he just throws down. I mean, he just absolutely throws down when he sings. Plus, driving that that far, it's a, it seems like a long drive, and to some people, that's a nightmare. The thought of getting into a vehicle by myself and driving for eight, nine, ten, yes. twelve hours, and just playing music love and it. just doing the open, I freaking love Me it. Me too. Very, now, if I had to do it on the regular, like I've talked to so many musicians over the course of my adult life where, oh yeah, day. 17 in the van, fuck you. No way. No, I'm done. I agree with that. But, you know, like a road trip for someone like you or me to go see some music, that sounds genius. By the way, speaking of you and me, I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. It is The Brian Oak Show, episode 143. And and here we are. How are you? I'm doing really well. I finally found out uh, through Health Partners, my health insurance company, that I'm getting the vaccine on Friday. What? So the first coming Friday? Yeah, I could have uh, waited for someplace closer, but I'm driving to Hutchinson, childhood home of jill riley and oh, yeah. hutch yeah i'm gonna get a, a shot out there so and do we know so everyone keeps asking me like my wife just had her second shot in fact this past night she was up all night she feels like garbage right now she feels like she was hit by a truck and i'm like ibuprofen water and here's some dry toast which by the way she's got this wicked headache was up all night with bad chills, then woke up completely soaked in sweat. Her entire body is racked with pain. She's like, will you just bring me a piece of dry toast? And I left it in the toaster too long, and it set off every fire alarm in the house. <laughs> was she even happier with the burnt toast? Oh, she she loved all of it. Yeah, no, we, we couldn't. I could not be a better nurse. Very, very qualified. But everyone keeps asking, Moderna or Pfizer? I, what the fuck is the difference? Who cares? Just jab it in my arm. Give me the give me that, the goods. That's how I am. I mean, I just like let's get this rolling. I don't even know which one I'm getting. Uh, Are you getting Johnson point. and Johnson? That's a one off. That's well, a one that, shot. That, deal. That's the weird thing is they didn't schedule my second one, so I'm guessing it might be Johnson and Johnson. All I know is that the the web guys at Health Partners it said healthpartners.com when I clicked on the link slash fat guy doses. <laughs> So that must be for the obese. I did go to the MN.gov site to sign up. I'm trying to sign up in all the places. Like, I'm not greedy. I don't want to jump the line. I feel pretty good. But I'd still like to get it. I'd still like to get back to a normal life, right? And and so, but then they had you do your BMI, your body mass index. Yes. And uh, apparently, if you are 5'11 and weigh 215 pounds, you are technically, mathematically obese. Yeah, doesn't that suck? 
I'm not going to tell I mean, you my way. Don't get time. me wrong. I'm a tub. I, you know, I got a little tub. I got a little extra. Sure. More, more to love, Sean. Um, but I'm married. But <laughs> <laughs> obese was a real humbler. That it's was a, a real, word. real sit down and think about it, fat boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, anyway, I'm signed up. I haven't heard if I'm getting mine, when I'm getting mine. But I'm glad you're getting yours. I'm glad so many people are getting it. I don't have that real deep envy. My envy comes from the stimulus check. I haven't seen one of those fuckers. Not one. That's bizarre. Yeah, agreed. And I'm yeah. talking to my tax guy this week. I don't really care about the the, the vaccine. I want my stimulus check. Yeah. I could use my stimulus check. We got ours, and I was kind of surprised by that, but it well, was nice that we did. We just made a little less than what we needed to. Yeah. So I'm like, is this good news? You know, it's well, kind of like being obese and getting the vaccine. You're like, <laughs> you're like... Is it good that we didn't make enough money so we get a stimulus? <laughs> Just ahead, we're going to be talking to Chris Coza, who I'm excited that he was willing to come in today because that means he's busy. I mean, he's got a gig tomorrow, and I love talking about gigs. I love talking to musicians. Plus, Chris is about as nice and interesting and cool as they come, like it or not. So we're actually going to have a good show today. The pressure's on, Chris. Are you sweating over there? Okay. All right. Good. Good. Um, so before we get to Chris, though, we always like to play a song before we dive into things deeply. And we opened up with Booker T of the MGs. And yesterday for me was all about late 60s soul. I was born in the late 60s. And so, but I didn't grow up in a house with a lot of soul or R&B in it. And so that's been one of the things I've been trying to not really study, not like a college student, but enjoy, dig into a little more over the last 10, 15 years. And Booker T and the MGs, everyone knows Green Onions, but I've been trying to go a little off the map. And then someone threw on Aretha Franklin's 1968 record, Aretha Now. And I've heard the record before, but for whatever reason, you know, every time you go back to a book that you love or a record you love, Mm -hmm. sometimes something new stands out to you, right? And this time, I'd heard the song before, but it didn't really ever register. And yesterday, this was my favorite song off this record. It was brilliant, and it stood out more than any of the other powerful, incredible songs. Believe it or not, by 1968, Aretha had already released 13 records. This was her 13th album, which is hard to believe, but she was prolific and amazing and incredibly creative, and this is probably my favorite era of her career. So before we talk to Chris Coza, let's hear a little Aretha Franklin from Aretha Now. This song is called A Change on The Brian Oak Show. Change, baby. I wanna see a change right away. I wanna see a change in you, baby. Wanna see a change. 
You know, it's weird. It's, it, that's why it's worth going back to things. I think about the number of things I listened to once or twice in my life, and I've been like, that's not really for me, and you just let it go. That song is called A Change. It comes off the June 1968 record, Aretha Now. And maybe the reason is because the first side is blinding. It starts out with Think. You know, think. Uh, I say a little prayer, Burt Backrack. She does a cover of Sam Cooke's mm. You Send Me. And a change is buried deep on the second half of the second section, or of the second side, rather. And for whatever reason, yesterday, that song grabbed me by the nape of my neck and said, you should probably shake your tail feather a little bit. And, and you I, were bopping around the store? I was. Would you say bopping? I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it, make it sound as square as possible because a middle-aged <laughs> white guy like me bopping around the store is exactly what it looks like, but I was in love with it, and unfortunately, the record belonged to someone else, otherwise I would have purchased it and taken it home. Did you ever see her live? No. I did not, either. No. And, and I, you're I, watching a series right now, though. There's a special on Hulu? Yeah, on Hulu right now. Uh, they've just released the, they did the deal where they just showed two episodes, and you wait a week, and then they right. released all eight. Uh, okay. But it's called Genius Aretha on Hulu, and it's fantastic. Well, I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, she's there's a reason that she's a legend, and uh, I'll have to watch. I don't have the Hulu. I don't have yeah. the Disney Plus. I'm... Jennifer Hudson. Uh, I think they're showing it on FX as well. If you oh, have FX, I do so, have FX. Yeah, check it out. Uh, Brian Oak Show is made possible by Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is the organization they originated Minnesota's Ignition Interlock Company. The Ignition Interlock is what lets you drive again after you've lost the ability to drive, or someone you know or love, due to a DUI or DWI whatever the preferred nomenclature of the moment is, you don't want to drink and drive, but people still do it all the time, and you will need to put your things back together it's going to be an expensive process. It's going to be a hassle. Luckily, Smart Start MN is there to get you back into your vehicle sooner than you otherwise might and for way less than you would think. They won't let us say the price, but it's way cheaper and cheaper still if you say that you heard about it on The Brian Oak Show. Yeah, go to uh, smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oak Show and you'll get 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Let's go ahead and say hello to today's guest. Hi, Chris Coza. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm good. Good. Good to see you. You always... So what's weird is I first met you, I don't even know how long ago, but it was a while ago, and you don't age. Are you a, are you a vegan? Are, do you have access to the fountain of youth? What What is the secret of your eternal moxie? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't own any khaki pants. That helps. That does it right uh, good there. start. What about pleated pants? No Any pleats. pleated pants? Nothing. No polo shirts. No polo shirts? No. Huh. I just wear young man's clothes. Okay. <laughs> and that's how you continue. <laughs> and it distracts from the, from the finer details of the face. <laughs> but in all seriousness, are you a fitness guy? Do you eat well? I mean, you, you, you really haven't aged in a very long time. Well, that's so kind for you to say. And, um, it's totally true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Own it. <laughs> I mean, so, oh, just good genetics. You won life's lottery. Well, you're you, telling you know, me. You, it's hard to uh, to fight against genetics. <laughs> um, that's true. My, my mom still has a, you know, stark black hair. My yep. dad has a full head of hair. And they have other health problems, but they look pretty good. And so you can't discount that. But I I do exercise. I try to exercise a lot. And, right you know, on. We have four or five, six days a week, and if I can. Wow, okay. I mean, well, that, that's kind of a big range, but... <laughs> yeah, well, no, but, but I mean, that's still a lot more than... How often... Well, no, you are riding your bike and stuff again, aren't you? Yeah. I, don't, I don't ever exercise. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like just waiting for the earth to reclaim me is what I'm doing. 
Well, making, you're making it easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. Chris. Uh, before we, uh, I want, we, we, I asked you to come in today because we are in South Minneapolis, near 48th in Chicago, a mere two doors down yeah. from the legendary Parkway Theater. And they have remained interesting and fun. They keep changing the names on their marquees for the last mm-hmm. year now to funny plays on the pandemic, as much as they can be funny, on classic movie titles. And they, they continue to do it, and they continue to do a great job. And what sucks about that is they've come under new ownership and they really sort of had a new plan about what the parkway is and what it was going to be and then the pandemic screwed everything up but they haven't lost their vision and they haven't lost their sight and there's a new event coming up uh church of the lost souls featuring billy mclaughlin with guests we're going to talk about that momentarily but first for anybody hard though it may be to imagine if they don't know the name chris coza or your band rogue valley where are you from uh, I'm, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Oh, we've had this conversation yeah. a long time ago. I was well, born a, in Portland, and I've been there yeah. two dozen times. Well, I mean, I, I, we're, link, we're re-remembering things right now. It's yeah, totally no, no, fine. because you just saying that now <laughs> reminded me, I mean, like a long time ago, like maybe when I was at Cities, we had this conversation because it blew my mind. So you grew up in Portland. How long did you live in Portland? Uh, through high school. Okay. When's your birthday, Chris? It's July 20th. Okay, so you two aren't twins. Clearly. We, yeah, we could be twin. We <laughs> could be the same person, time nope. traveled, and just haven't realized it. Like a looper kind of situation? Yeah, I get it. I get I, it. I, you know what? I don't think Keep anyone believe, if, they, if they saw us, I don't think anyone would believe that. So you grew up in Portland. Then at what point? So, I mean, obviously someone who has chosen music as a profession and has made it their life, you found music before you graduated high school. Oh, yeah. When did you find music? Uh, when I was just a, a wee lad, I started playing piano and just making up tunes around the house. And did you like it? Because a lot of people who are forced to take piano lessons, like my daughter took to the electric guitar. She hated piano oh, lessons. Sure. Did you like it? Well, I liked the piano, but the lessons were take it or leave it sometimes. Right. I, I, I had a hard time with practicing. It was just hard to stay focused and read the music. I had a much better time with hearing it and memorizing it and then like being able to play it. So I could trick my piano teachers, and they're like, "Oh, you're doing a good job reading today." I'm like, "Uh huh." So is that so that that's a good thing? I mean, like, so that that's actually a fairly unique skill, and in, in ways more difficult unless it comes easy to you. So you play by ear more than you read music. Well, I would say back then. Yeah. And now, now, uh, you know, as an adult and as a musician, I've been a musician for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, the last several years, I've been trying to go back to the beginnings a little bit and reapproach my musicianship uh, with a more like cerebral and reading um, uh, academic approach. Uh, approach. Which I totally understand, yeah. but when you've already achieved the level you have and, and even more importantly created at the level you have, what was the impetus for going back to relearn some of the fundamentals? Because you're obviously already clearly able, you know, to create songs. Well, yeah, I mean, creating songs is... That seems like something that I know how to do really well at this point. You right. Six songs in an hour. Oh, well, I can come up with six ideas, whether they're good or not. I don't know, but they'll be there. Right. Um, but some of it was having opportunities to play with other musicians and their ensembles and just wanting to show up and do a good job. And, and they're like, this is in the key of C. And you're like, right, right. Okay. Very good. So you go back and do that. So you find piano and is is our keys still the main driving force in your in your creative process or did you move on to other instruments uh, no guitar is what i what i have done my writing on for a long time i mean like your daughter i was i took piano lessons and i just reached a point where somebody gave me a guitar and i had a couple lessons i'm like this is what i'm doing now right and it just was so much more portable it's fun to play with friends and um at, at the time in high school when i was starting my high school bands i mean that's what i was 
doing all my playing with. This is actually one of my favorite subjects to cover with any <laughs> musical guest I ever have because high school bands are notoriously awful yeah. uh, only because people are young, right? And even if they're good, you know, I mean, like, like the name's got to be bad. What was the name of your first band? Uh, Bone Daddies. Actually, that's pretty badass. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. We've heard Bone worse. Daddy. Do you remember the very first song you ever wrote that you were like proud of? You're like, this is my freaking jam right here. Get ready to taste this from the Bone Daddies. Yeah, it was called Night Covers the Sky. Oh, so you you were lucky enough to be talented, like good looking, yeah. and a poet what an right asshole. out of the gate. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how great it really was, but it just sounded like Oil Kamava yeah. with different words. <laughs> nice. Night Covers the Sky. <laughs> do 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 yeah. okay now it's time to fly like, <laughs> so once you dig in a little bit you'll realize it's very shallow uh until you hit the bedrock <laughs> all right so you're growing up in portland you found that you like to do music you have high school bands did you get to play like at any uh you know uh, like uh talent shows or anything yeah. like that yeah we had a uh we had our first big show was at a coffee shop and uh we packed that place and the owner's like oh my gosh you guys brought in so much business Here's your here's your money. You know, they gave us like fifty dollars, and we're like this is the most we've ever made. There's probably like hundred fifty people there, like, right? Free for them to come in. And everyone's buying the lattes and biscuits and whatnot, and uh, it was really exciting that we felt like we had arrived. You know, and I mean, when you're young and you have a moment like that, it's 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 only uphill. I mean, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. No, but but I mean, that's your first taste. You're like, yeah, holy crap, we love doing that. Yeah. People were totally into it. And we get money? And we got money. That's a thing that happens? <laughs> wow. Before we talk about how you make it to the Midwest and your upcoming, uh, upcoming gig tomorrow, I would like to hear a song, if that's possible. I would like you to tell me about this record and this particular song that we're about to hear called Wishing Well. Yeah. So this is a song called Wishing Well. It came out on an album I put out a few years back called In Real Time. And uh, this is a song that was kind of in, inspired by my love of uh, classic rock, classic pop. Uh, I was kind of listening to Feist some. Mm. And... Um, it's just what I do.
Now, you talk about listening to Leslie Feist while you were writing that record, and she is so wonderful, so down-to-earth, so normal, but really a powerful and interesting and intricate songwriter. But then you also talk about listening to classic rock, and I just wonder, since you know I've probably got a good 10 years on you, what you consider classic rock. I mean, are you thinking like Seeger? Are you thinking like Billy Squire? Or are you thinking a little after that? Uh, well, like Led Zeppelin, probably. Oh, like, oh, so way classic rock. Yeah, so I guess I'm thinking Not 38 like special. 68 to <laughs> 78. Oh, right you know, on. Kind of in that range. Well, which many would argue is the greatest era in rock and roll. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have friends who would argue that. I have a tendency to like a lot of different things, but um, that's a good song right there. I like that. It's called Wishing Well. Chris Coza, who is performing tomorrow at the Parkway Theater, and we're going to get to that momentarily, but first, a little more about you. So we left off with you in Portland, playing in high school bands, killing it at talent shows and local coffee shops. <laughs> right. What makes you end up in Minnesota? Uh, St. Olaf College. Um, it's a really great music school and a liberal arts college all around uh, down in Northfield, Minnesota. And I came out uh, 97 to, to go there. My wife is a graduate of St. Olaf, and her entire band went there. I know so many people who went to St. Olaf. Um, yeah, yeah. Am I right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's weird about St. Olaf is it's a well-respected school and a very good school, but it's a relatively small school. I mean, comparatively yeah. speaking to like a massive university, right? Oh, yeah. And my wife and I, early in our relationship, it didn't matter where we were in the world. If we were in Ireland, if we were in Mexico, if we were in California, the, the frequency with which we ran into other St. Olaf alum was frightening. It was a little skull and bones. It was a little, <laughs> it was a little weird. What's going, what's really going on at St. Olaf? Let's, let's go ahead and blow the lid off this thing. Well, have you, have you heard, ever heard the Freemasons? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. The Freemasons. It's yeah. kind of like that. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, you know, people have a lot of pride about their affiliation with that institution. They do. And it's a, I think it tends to be a very special um, experience for people, in, in part because it's a smaller school. And Northfield, there's the two colleges, colleges, uh, Cows and Contentment. That's kind of with how they market themselves as a, right. as a place. And um, Carleton's the other school, right? Yeah, Carleton College is the other one, mm-hmm. and which is a, a great university. But, um, I mean, St. Olaf, there's a lot of pride there, and a lot of people I know have got a surprising number. Like, the ratio <laughs> seems off. So you come back and you go to school there. Do you study music? Do you continue to make music? Do you find other people to do a band with? What happens at, yeah, at, at St. Olaf? Yeah, well, I, I found uh, um, some of the people that I still play music with today um, in my first couple weeks mm. of being at St. Olaf. Mm-hmm. And I had a band there on campus. We were called Catnapping. Um, and that's not as good as, as, the, as the high <laughs> school Daddy's. stuff. So I took a little step back. Is, in some K, is it K catnapping? Oh, or? you know it. But I mean, <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it tells me is that you were a little older uh, and not that you weren't taking it seriously, but you weren't quite as aggressive about it. It also tells me that this is the period where you started smoking weed, because that is a weed-smoking band's name. <laughs> well, I can't I'm not take too much credit for that. Cat nipping. Exactly. <laughs> and and so was this a, it sounds like a jam band, I'm going to be honest. It was more like prog pop stuff. I mean, it was both a vulnerable singer-songwriter, but also a little bit of Tool, a little bit of a... Fish, cool. A little bit of all kinds of oh, different. So like a little more emo and dark than like light and hippie. I mean, and we're, yeah, we're all trying. We, I mean, one song would have six different movements in it, so it was one of those <laughs> ambitious things. We're like, we got seven songs, and our set is two hours long. And we, I don't know what we cut out. We, they're all good. We're just going to go over our time. So like, we had to, we had a lot to learn. <laughs> oh, it sounds like such a good college band. Yeah. So then you get to the end of your college career, and you decide I'm staying in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I went back and forth a little bit um, for a few years, not 
entirely committing. Um, but I spent a lot of time here in Minnesota. I went out to Portland a little bit. went out to New York a little bit. And uh, uh, the my main music collaborators were all here and opportunities were here. And I love it here. So um, that's how I ended up being here and really putting a lot of energy into my projects, my my solo band, and then Rogue Valley years later. Yeah, well, and so, again, and I don't want to gloss over all of that, but, I mean, Rogue Valley is where I first heard your name, right? And then I've also heard your solo stuff as well. Um, And both excellent. I mean, like, really good songwriting. You know, they're... How do I say this without being a complete dick? There there are a lot of Minnesota singer-songwriters that you're like, that's a Minnesota singer-songwriter, right? And then there are others where you're like, that person could be from anywhere and, frankly, could go anywhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to judge people too harshly, but when you hear talent... There are, much like when you hear podcasts, there are varying degrees of talent, right? And I realize that I'm probably not at the upper echelon, but, you know, working on it every day. Episode 143, Sean, you know about that? We're we're not trying to be all things to all people. That's no, what I say to people. Not. Like, we are who we are. We, we, but, we're trying to support local musicians. So not everybody loves that. But we love it, and so we're having a pretty good time with it. Yeah, also fuck those people. Um, <laughs> so we're talking to Chris Coza, and Chris, you have been making music for a long time. Yeah. This is what you do, and do you still enjoy it? I do. I mean, it doesn't mean that I, every day I'm into what I'm working on. Right. Um, you know, sometimes you're like, wow, my shit smells really good. And other times you're like, I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so flush that one yeah. down. Well, that being said, I mean, so I guess I wanted to get to, before we talk about tomorrow's event and hear another song of yours, um, I wanted to get to what it's been like in the last year. We've had so many artists on this mm-hmm. show. And I think that the the attitude of a lot of people who are outside of the creative realm, who maybe not be creatives themselves, but appreciate the creativity that all these people put forward, be like, man, with all this downtime, you must be creating a colossal masterwork. You <laughs> you must be, you know, you must be creating something that none of us have ever heard before. You've had all this time to devote to it. And I find quite the opposite has been the response. Not, not that people aren't using the downtime to be creative, not that they're not using it to explore some things and do, th- do some things, but just because you have free time, we're all still dealing with that overarching mental nature of a global pandemic and yeah. this weird world where we don't get to see each other because that's where some of your inspiration comes from. You know, it, it's a different time. And some people have gone quite the opposite direction and are just stultified. Like, they're just like, mm-hmm. uh where are you at on that spectrum as well, far as the last year looks? Yeah, yeah. so it's it's definitely been a, a journey for me as well. I think when things started off, I was working on this um, instrumental album, um, which is going to be coming out in a few weeks. Um, but I was working on that. I had all these, uh, a new Rogue Valley album. I was like feeling really uh, on the conveyor belt of productivity, like I'm putting things in order. Then things hit while I was working on this instrumental album, and uh, I, I just stopped being able to create new things for a while. And I was just going back into old sessions and getting, you know, doing the remote recording thing. Like, Hey, can you record this for me? Record this for me. And then I was spending so much time organizing files on my computer and all these sessions. I'm like, I'm not making any music. I mean, I, I am, but it's so, so tedious. And well, it's it, more like accounting at that point. Yeah. Like here, here's all your piano notes. Now let's organize them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I realized that for me, one of the things that dr- helps drive my creative energy is are the people that I meet and the places that I go and, and the adventures that we have and being able to um, counterbalance those kinds of experience with the more, um, you know, the minutia of working on a session uh, is what helps free me up to feel like I can, I can have a 
strong, ongoing relationship with my creative self. And I know you've worked with a lot of people over the years, but when it comes to the creative process and how it relates to suddenly being locked down and people not spending as much time together, are you someone in the grand scheme and over the years who prefers to be sort of the guy, like the idea guy, the here's the thing, you can add some things here and there, or do you genuinely enjoy the collaborative nature of that process? Um, I tend to write out everything for the other people that I'm working with. Uh, Sometimes I I can let go a little bit, and uh, it's always one of the things that I'm trying to learn on to do, uh, learn to do better at. Um, but during this time, like for the instrumental album, I went in and I like arranged the piano part and I arranged the violin part and all the drums. I was like, oh, I'm going to write out the drum part and give it to the drummer. And I mean, that stuff takes forever. It's like, it, cause I'm not a drummer. I can't, if I sit down on a drum set, you'd get the microphones away. Like it's not the place you're going to find music. Right. Um, <laughs> well, but that's one of the reasons yeah. too, as you mentioned, going back and sort of getting to the, the baseline of your craft, learning to write music, learning to read music, if yeah. you're going to write parts out for other people, you have to know the language. Well, yeah, it's about communicating, and, right. and you want to you want to make sure that you're communicating in the language close enough that they can interpret your you know your broken language skills. You tell. <laughs> speaking of broken language skills, throughout your career, the music I'm familiar with, anyways, you tell good stories. You're oh, you're a good singer. What was the inspiration for wanting to do an instrumental album? Uh, well, sometimes there's more to say than. Um, than the words that I can find that can fit into the pop song structure. And um, I, I love listening to instrumental music. I mean, if I make music, sometimes I just want to not hear my own voice all the time. Yeah. And uh, Amen to that, brother. God, and, and, do I understand yeah. that? I, like, I don't have any music to back it up, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah. And, and so I've taken it as an opportunity to, to um, explore the ideas of melody a little bit more, the, the way that the, the textures are working together within the songwriting. And it's just different, you know. I've written the 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 singer songwriter um, melody and lyric driven song uh, hundreds of times, so um, it's 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 a healthy ex- exercise, I think, sometimes to work on a different area. There are so many strictly uh, instrumental albums and things. So I work at a record store, right? And like so, things like this, like Exotic Percussion or <laughs> Bud Shank or Martin Denny or the Afro Blues Quintet Plus One. There are so many of these sort of you know, and some people would call it elevator music or yeah. easy listening. But if you listen, some of them are soul driven, some of them are blues driven, some of them are pop driven, some of them are straight orchestral. And yeah. I love instrumental music, but I also love hearing a good story. I, I love great lyrics. I love talented singers, but I've got nothing against an instrumental album. But it just seems like a big leap. Are you are you happy with where it is right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, the idea of telling a story is something that I wanted to achieve through the instrumentation. And I think that, it, I don't know, to me... I, I know what's behind all the the songs and when do we get our ears on that? Uh, it, it should be out in about two or three weeks. I'm just oh that soon. Yeah. Wow, what's it called? Uh, it's called On Horseshoe Lake. Okay, so I was up in Ely, Minnesota, mm. um, working on this, uh, trying to shut the world out. But it was like the week when shit really started hitting the fan in terms of the pandemic and its influence in the U.S. Right. Um, and uh, I just it was a real strange week because I was up there with nobody else around, just me mm. and me and my dog and. And um, I'm I'm trying to write music without any words, and I'm having all these feelings, and there's no there's no perspective, and I'm like I, I'm no at, sounding I'm board, at, nothing. Just yeah, you. I'm at the end of the world here. Like there's a pandemic going on. I'm in this private little area, mm-hmm. and so I I just felt it was, it was so hard to sleep. Like I I was 
It's like 28 days later. Like by the time you came back to civilization, it could have all been gone. It could have all been gone. And I'm I'm like, well, I'm just writing this little like titter tottery little tune about being out in the woods. (laughs) How's it going down there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hope everything's fine down there. I'm good up here. What's your dog's name? Arlo. Arlo. Uh, Actually, we have two. Arlo and Murphy. All right. Murphy was a pandemic puppy. What does that mean? Uh, we, We got him during the pandemic. And was that a good move? Because sometimes people yeah. in, in their moments of emotional distress or emotional need will make rash decisions. This was not one. This was a good choice. It was the choice that needed to happen. Okay. So it's not to say that there wasn't some resistance or narrative around it, but it, it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing that phrase. That's not to say there wasn't some resistance or narrative around it. That is so beautifully, diplomatically put. I am adopting that one. Thank you, you, you very much, yours. Mr. Cozen. Bring, bring it to life. I have a notion, though, that these dogs, that were all the people that have been working from home during the pandemic the last year... Your dogs are like, man, this is kick-ass. I get way oh, more yeah. belly rubs. I get more walks during the day. I don't have to get the full bladder for eight hours. Uh-huh. And when we all go back to work, I think they're going to unite and rise up and attack. They're well, certainly they going to have to go back to work. They're going to rip your couch cushions to yes, shit. Yes, they oh, are. Man. They're like, That's screw you, sure. buddy. You teased me for a year. Uh-huh. Like, what is this? I thought Lame. it was different. I'll be honest. Cats are the same way. Like, my oh, cats, although they do go through phases where... Everyone's home, and they're like, this is normally when we napped away the entire afternoon. Yes. Why are you making so much fucking noise? Like, (laughs) my cat Jackson will look up over his shoulder like, you're not supposed to be here right now. Beat it, nerd. Like, just get out of here. (laughs) All right, before we talk about the event that's coming up tomorrow um, and what the immediate future looks like for you, I would like to hear another Chris Coza song. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do one. This is a a song that I put out two years ago, actually, at a... The release show was at... uh, the parkway just maybe maybe almost two years to the date which is a killer venue by oh, the way yeah. right like really we, I mean, we talked about they were cool before yeah but the, this new management had such a great vision and it was it was really starting to happen and the pandemic screwed yeah. everything up i hope unlike some other places they survive this right yeah it's so important that that it, it's crucial all, as many venues as possible can survive this it's not easy for any one of them but and i know that at the parkway they've been trying to do a lot of things to you know keep the lights on mm-hmm. to to stay uh, socially relevant to have a, um, you know create community around their place and around their their ideals of programming mm-hmm. and I just, I do I love the team that is over there uh, that puts it all together and so and you released this you did your release yep. show there a yep, couple did, years did the ago. release show at the Parkway an album called Sleepwalkers Part One and uh, this is a song called Hush. Daylight 
back and listen to something you put out even when it's clearly exceptionally produced and well written like that mm-hmm. are you ever critical do you ever feel like there's something <laughs> i should have done something else i could have added damn i wish i would have changed that i guess what i'm really getting at is when you're in the process of creating when you're in the studio or in a living room with a four track or whatever how do you know when it's done most creatives i know never stop fucking with something they just yeah. they can't stop futzing with it how do you know when the song is done there's just time like they're like give us your record yeah it's time i think i just say like i need to be done with it at this time and that i mean that means like when that date happens then i have three more days or i have you know (laughs) one more week but it needs to become a very diminishing window where uh, you know you have to just like shove it through um otherwise you can sit and tinker with it and you don't make it better you just make it different and that's something that so many engineers and mixers and people that i've worked with over the years you know that's their perspective like oh we can go back and do this but it's just it's just different like yeah with that song did you find yourself pulling things out of it because it what's great about it is that it's not muddied up i mean each instrument kind of has its purpose and it kind of comes in but it doesn't overwhelm the song and there's a lot of musicians that will oh we got to drive the piano here and overdo (laughs) it with the piano and oh no we've got if we're going to have this one in there we've got to do that as well is that one that you did you did you find yourself adding a ton and pulling away or did you kind of start with the the guitar and then kind of in. Yeah, I usually start with a guitar okay. for for most songs that I do, but uh, but like for that song, I'll layer the parts throughout the whole thing, and mm-hmm. then when I get to that one week to go stage, <laughs> then I go back and I start like taking things out, you know, doing the whole minus effect. Like, oh well, this song doesn't need to be. I don't need to like get the money out of every one of these instruments. Like, it's the yes. idea is to make the sum of the whole more effective. That's than all, ter- all a terrific parts. song. I'd not heard that song before, and it's absolutely fantastic. I love yeah, it. It's a beautiful one. Yeah. Speaking of beautiful, his name is Sean Bernard. What he <laughs> is the producer, uh, the pal. Uh, here on the Brian Oak Show, and also he is a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th in France location, and here we go. It's mother freaking go time. You better get your game face on, Sean. Uh, it's that time of the year where it can get crazy, where you're just working 16 hours a day and you don't get to see your spouse and your children, but um, hopefully that won't be as extreme this year. Because um, there aren't uh, any houses. Nobody's moving, man. Well, they're... There's some. Yeah, they are, but it's just really tough right now. It doesn't mean you shouldn't move. It means you need to be really smart about how you move and where you move. Well, you could make good money because inventory is low, but then you also have to find a place to live. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people about that. And my Uncle Pat, who lives right by here, you know, I said in his case, you know, you've lived there for 20 years. He's thinking about moving to Asheville uh, to be with his daughter. His uh, wife, unfortunately, passed away a year and a half ago. And I said, Pat, this is actually a great time for you to sell. And he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to buy again. I said, then you're perfect for this sort of thing. Take advantage of the of the market and the way it is right now. 
and he he's a guy that has done all the work himself, so he'll do great. And I, I had another uh, young couple. I hate I hate it when people say that, so I'm going to sound old. But I have a young couple that listens to the show. Oh, you're old. And, and they're buying their first home, and they just said, look, we want to find a home we can stay in for 30 years if we choose to. And they're right over, over off of, they're actually on the same block as my Uncle Pat, which is bizarre about the Twin Cities. But um, they found a home and they're like, well, here's what we're going to put into it. And they absolutely love it. And they close on the 15th. Uh, one of the things I'm doing this year uh, to help support local musicians like Chris, uh, I'm donating a portion of every sale, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, to a local musician of your choice, you being the customer. If you can't find a local musician that you know of, I know a hundred that would love a donation uh, to help them make their music. I just, it kind of came to me in about February where I was like, there's something I can do. I can, I can donate a portion of each home sale to help out these local musicians so that they can survive and thrive and be inspired. Uh, Sometimes it's not as inspiring when you're not paying the bills. Uh, There are musicians of different levels that this was devastating financially for them and they were scared about how they'd pay the the rent so if you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell 612-859-2594 that number is textable as well billy mclaughlin is a minnesota guitarist composer producer savant exactly but there was a a great documentary about him that came out some time ago called changing keys Mm -hmm. because back in the late 90s billy mclaughlin who had already achieved a certain level of success began to notice symptoms of focal dystonia which means basically he lost most of the abilities that allowed him to craft the art and vision that had defined his life up until that point he literally had to go back to the drawing board and relearn how to create the music he wanted to create pardon me learn how to to replay the guitar in a very it's a cruel cruel situation to think about the journey billy mclaughlin has had to grow go through but it's also so wildly inspiring if you have not seen changing keys the documentary about Mm -hmm. his journey I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you've been like, this last year has sucked out loud, you'll learn something new about things sucking out loud, but also why persevering? Why continuing to work hard? Why focusing on the thing that makes it okay for you to get up in the morning? He could have given up and just found something else to do, but he didn't. And it's it's wildly inspirational, and he's still super good. And now he's got this series of events coming up, literally two doors down from the Smart Start MN studio here in South Minneapolis, called the Church of the Lost Souls, which is happening every Sunday afternoon or many Sunday afternoons. Uh, coming up, Willie Wisely back in town to perform, coming up on April 4th, also so Sophia is going to be there, Turn, 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 who we've yeah. had on the show here. We've had Adam on a couple times. Going to be coming up on April 18th. But tomorrow, March 28th, Church of the Lost Souls. Yes, of course, Billy McLaughlin will be performing. But so will one Chris Coza. How did this come about? Do you know Billy? Uh, I know Billy. Uh, I know his music. Yeah. I, I don't know that we've, uh, you know, if we've met, it's just been a little bit um, here amidst a, you know, a lot of people or something. But right. um, I've known his music. He actually came down to St. Olaf to perform. So that's when mm-hmm. when I was a student there, um, he was on campus. And uh, that's how I learned about his music. He's a fascinating musician. And like you say, his his story, you know, I, I want to look into that a little bit more. I know a little, you know, a few details, but um, it's 
totally inspiring. Well, it's I mean, incredible. You, I mean, you know, as a musician, how how much manual dexterity is crucial yeah. in what you do, right? And then all of a sudden, if your body betrays you, if your muscles will no longer respond to the impulses you're sending to your brain, and focal dystonia can take on a, a yeah. from what I understand, I'm by no means a medical expert, but it can take on a lot of different forms. But when what you've learned to do and what you've taken for yeah. granted, what you've learned to love, which already is, I mean, there's a great deal of talent there to have to relearn it entirely from scratch. It's it's a truly inspiring story, and he still makes incredible music. Yeah, and this this comes off a series of old performances he did with. Um, Oh, I'm not going to think of the previous band that he did this with. Um, but he used to do these performances, and he performed uh, on a Saturday night, and people lost their minds. He's like, well, look, maybe we'll just leave the equipment here and come back on some Sunday for the Church of the Lost Souls, if that's what you want. And huh. apparently the house came down, and that's where the inspiration for this came from. Oh, that's really cool. So you're going to be there tomorrow. Tell me what form this is. Is this strictly online? Are there going to be people inside the Parkway yeah, Theater so, tomorrow? So and. When uh, Jessica over at the Parkway contacted mm-hmm. me about Jessica Paxton, yeah, Jessica Paxton right. um, contacted me about being part of the series. Um, you know, of course, it's like it's a little bit. It feels a little bit tricky as a performer to wonder like how or when to go back into indoor mm-hmm. spaces to perform. Um, but the way that the, I mean, this I know the room in there. So, uh, I know that the space is uh, can accommodate a distanced audience. So they're selling a few tickets online um i mean it's a very limited capacity but uh, i know that there are still some available um so if you're hearing this on saturday and you want to come on sunday you should definitely go to the parkway website and pick one up jessica is an old pal of mine uh i know her from many many moons ago and we both worked over at channel 2 public television coming up tonight on tpt um <laughs> and uh and so to hear you know i know that she was uh, she works down in northfield quite a yeah. bit and uh was booking a lot of places down there by the way r.i.p the archer house man i can't believe the yeah. archer house burned down the place has burned down a few times but i think this last one was the that's was it? the one Aww. that's the one well that's a bummer because i've stayed at the archer I house a few place. times myself yeah. me too it's so quaint there along the cannon river it's lovely you know it's perfect down there so uh but jessica is a friend and she will be on the show in the near future you know really Really, when we first launched this podcast, it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. We had all these plans to make this sort of the promotion point for so many upcoming shows yeah. and talk to producers and promoters and bands. We talked to Jessica about actually having Brian intro some artists oh, and yeah. shows over at the Parkway, and hopefully that'll still happen. Yeah, but... well, and hopefully we'll do a couple of these yeah. podcasts over at the Parkway mm-hmm. as oh, well. Yeah, like so live podcast things. Exactly. Yeah, so really cool. That, that'll be a part of it moving forward. I mean, that was our goal. When we first launched this thing, we said once a month for all of our Patreon supporters, by the way, thank you, Patreon members we literally couldn't do this without you um would get to come to a private show you know like a small studio performance or like something at the parkway and then of course we all sat in our sweatpants for the last year and that <laughs> hasn't really been the case i only had one pair <laughs> did you go out and get Gross. one you could order no. them online <laughs> i know no yeah no, i'm like oh, what? it's fine these Nobody are fine knows. yeah no no one's here do they stand up on their own like people do with their jeans in the front yard in the winter there was a Dr. Seuss story Basically. called "The Pants with No One Inside Them." <laughs> really? It's, Is that it, one banned? It, it was on the B side. No. <laughs> Again, that whole Dr. Seuss thing has been blown wildly uh, out know, of proportion. Know, yeah. Wildly out of proportion because the Starbelly Sneeches is still an important story about classism and the people at the top playing the ends against the middle. But we're not going into that now. Um, <laughs> it's been a very good conversation with Chris Coza. So, Chris, you're playing tomorrow. Tell me again about the, the new record, what it's called, and when it lands. Yeah, so I have an instrumental album out, out in a few weeks. It'll be sometime in April. I'll put it out, and um, it's called On Horseshoe Lake.
Bandcamp, is that the best way for people to get it and where you get the best margins? Uh, actually, just through my website, oh, okay. uh, chriscoza.com. Perfect. And it'll be up, you know, it'll eventually it'll be up on the streaming sites and whatnot, but I'm just going to release it through my website first. Uh, it's going to come out on a CD with a, a companion book with some uh, poetry and writing. Did you have to... Did you try to play an instrument you've never played before since you were doing an instrumental record? <laughs> no way. No. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Good man. Good man. All right. Well, Chris Koza, K-O-Z-A, for those who are not in the know, uh, new music on the way, performing tomorrow at the Parkway Theater. Go to the Parkway Theater. Dot com, I'm assuming. I don't have their website up in front of me right now. Just Google Parkway Theater and you'll find it. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will... Uh, it will it, good to see you. And we'll talk to you yeah. again in the not-too-distant future, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. I sure hope so. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Gladly. Now, before Thanks, we let you go, um, we do need to thank AudioQuip. We do need to thank Smart Start MN. Thank you, Sean. Thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to everybody who subscribes, who downloads, our Patreon members in particular, uh, and everybody who's contributed anything to the success of this show. The thought of being 143 episodes in is very, very humbling. Uh, and so I just want to say a very sincere thank you. As spring starts mm-hmm. to unfold and people are getting their vaccines and... God damn, fingers crossed, man. Slowly, hopefully, we get back to something vaguely remembering, or resembling rather normalcy. I hope we get to do what we promised early on that we get to do these shows, support support local artists. Uh, I just can't wait to actually fulfill that promise. It'll be great. Agree wholeheartedly. Before we go, we are going to hear one more song by Chris Coza. Now, Divine and Dromedary, and I mentioned to you that Dromedary and Dromedary is a portmanteau. Portmanteau. Uh, which Andromeda and Dromedary, <laughs> you know, two words being combined together. For instance, other portmanteaus would be and i just learned something in the last few moments which i have to share the only reason i'm bringing this up like motel is a portmanteau mm-hmm. for motor and hotel brunch is a portmanteau of breakfast and lunch chantrepreneur sorry ouch <laughs> i mean technically you're right damn sorry. does it say that on your business card no oh well guess what podcast is also a portmanteau because people used to listen to these on their iPod. That's right. And it was a broadcast. Podcast itself is a portmanteau of iPod and broadcast. The more you know. Boom! Always <laughs> learning here on The Brian Oak Show. Chris, thank you again for coming by. Thank tell, you. Tell me about this song before we head out of here. So this uh, portmanteau song. <laughs> <laughs> I totally stole your thunder. I apologize. No, it's, it's, that's all good. I didn't come up with the title. I just, Sometimes when you're making work or being an artist, you just want to observe and capture the, the happenings or the accidents around you. And uh, so this is a friend of mine, Aaron Anderson, had this title. And uh, this is a song uh, from an album that came out in 2006, so it's a little bit more on the vintage side for me. Um, I, I think it's really cool.
Yeah. <laughs>